Right, let's go. Ladies and gents, jumping straight back in with 41. Jumping back into, yeah, ooh, I was going to say yesterday's topic, last week's topic of periodization. So we're going to go over the three that we discussed and go pros and cons. And then also just a little bit of probably personal perception between the two of us, because obviously we touched a little bit into deload in the last episode as well so that could also play a part so i think it's going to be one of those of putting the pieces together so that people kind of understand what they're looking at and not just hearing me and miles chat waffle as always hopefully I'll give and you guys something that makes a little bit more sense <laughs> yeah like 99 percent of the time i think we are just waffle and people are like what are you saying uh-huh. or we're just going off topic like we normally do but yeah so block undulating and linear do you want to jump us back in with your professional understandings and explanations yeah of course so um yeah mag's already mentioned the three main ones that we usually use um linear is as it sounds as linear as it is so this is a, a direct approach where intensity or volume increases and the opposite drops so this might be like over the weeks and months you'll see a general decrease in let's say volume and a general increase of um, intensity and the reason why they do it straight like that is to technically avoid any kind of overload um, any kind of injuries anything like that to make sure Undulating is a bit more of a mixed approach. So there's a few different ways you can do it. You can do it bi-weekly, weekly, or daily undulated. So daily would mean each week, I mean, sorry, each day of the week would be different. So one day might be low volume, high intensity. The next day might be a higher volume, lower intensity. Um, and then you've got obviously weekly, which is one week will probably be higher volume, again, low intensity, vice versa. So it can be mixed up. And then you've got block training. Block training is where you focus on one um, focus. So let's say max strength, whatever you want to call it. And then the next phase will be something else. And so on, so on. And that'll be more period, that'll be more set in stone rather than the other two we can change. Um, all of them, in my opinion, that place it depends on obviously the athlete itself and the person that you're training yourself and obviously what kind of predicament that you're in and preference really what suits you guys the most really so we, we've talked about this before what we're probably going to do is now we're going to probably go through each segment through each periodization and kind of give a kind of pros and cons and a bit of a discussion on which we think um, are the best and the worst aspects of each one and then we'll try to bring it all up together to you. so we'll start with the dead easy one linear what do you think Mike so I think it'll come down to what an actual person understands but also what so like say if we had a client and they were going linear approach if you looked at it in terms of overreaching so obviously, well, not obviously, if you looked at it as a bell curve in terms of 
uh, MEV and MRV. Yes, this is generally looks more towards like muscle building and hypertrophy. I think you can still get the same basis from this kind of work as well. So it kind of works into the aspect of obviously volume and intensity is going to alter over time. What kind of volume does the individual need to start with or end with? And also what's the kind of intensity that they need to be pushing or perceivably understand as an intensity? So I think it's quite hard to just jump on one scale, especially if you're pushing to an individual to start and then you're like, okay, low intensity, high volume, but they are not accustomed to higher volume. And then over a period of time, their ability to recover is absolutely terrible. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, that's a pro and a con in itself when it comes to linear. Yeah. I think linear <laughs> is the one that you probably can give to the most of people. It definitely can cover a wide basis of more people than probably the other two. Um, because you'll you'll see a point where a linear model doesn't work for anyone because you can't just keep increasing, unfortunately, the volume, neither the intensity. There comes a point where you might have changes up, like you just said before, whether that's a recovering aspect, whether that's more of a, um, a technical bit, obviously depends on what kind of exercise that you're particularly using. But I think if... Um, if you're starting someone else in a, a linear thing, I think there's a, a few steps that comes before you obviously go into the whole periodization size of it. So obviously, first you would, you'll have a look at obviously, first of all, can they do the techniques? Can they do the actual exercise that you've been giving them and stuff like that? And that's that's a force, that's a thought process before getting way into the technical side. Um, but like all periodizations, periodization doesn't need to be set in stone it's more of a, a skeleton type of frame where yeah you might have this general plan for a certain somebody but like all programs really and stuff like that it, it needs to be able to adapt to the person using it yeah, there's nothing stopping you putting another name on it obviously if you're trying to learn a new skill or a new movement you're going to push volume higher than you would intensity by a fair by a fair whack because your ability to perform when intensity is overly high and get used to doing a movement is going to be very lackluster. So you, if you're learning something, you're not going to be pushing to a very high intensity because you're going to break down quite quickly and that form that you haven't mastered is only going to get worse. Yeah, well, intensity is going to be the one of the easiest indicators to see how well you know a movement. So you'll generally start off with a, a higher volume simply because we want you to be getting to do that exercise more. Yeah. And the more the repetition is the mother of all skill. If you're able to do it more and more and you're able to spend more time on it, more likely you're going to get better at it. And that's when the intensity increases. Um, but yeah. Go on with your now, as you can say, it, it also just gives you a way the other way. So obviously, as we learn the skill, we then learn intensity because that is a learnt skill <laughs> as well. No, no one comes in and been, especially if you're very new to the gym. Like my intensity now compared to six years ago is completely different. And my understanding of one rep in reserve 
now is completely different as well in terms of you understand how you move and you understand the kind of force and the kind of pr- not pressure what you can physically do when, and I think regardless of if we do pros and cons on all three of these that's going to be a big dictator yeah like yeah, you, it was like you, you uh, can talk about high and lower all day but no, I fully agree what you're saying and stuff like that. But it's like the the more you train, the more you're going to go grow and accustomed to it. What you're able to do on day one, um, I'm sorry, what you're going to do on something like day hundred isn't what you're going to be able to do on the day one. Like, you, it's not the the poison that kills you; it's the the amount of dose that gives you. So, what we're trying to do with the programming, it's slowly building yourself into it. We're not going to go. <laughs> it just, I'm not trying to poison you for any starts, but we're trying to slowly increase your tolerance to training. You go from day one to stepping into a gym and then day 10, you're trying to do a marathon. You're going to find faults and you're going to break down very easily. So this is why, again, something like dead, something that's dead simple periodization, linear, that's easy to teach, is a good way of getting yourself into it. Um, before we move on, closer to a progressive overload as well. Well, that's what it all, they, they all are. They, the whole point of all of them is to master the progressive overload section. But it's easy that's the, that way. The easiest translatable one, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> just straight line, progressive overload. You don't need to be like, right, one day we're going for progressive overload, the next one we're not. <laughs> like, we need you to progressively overload this day, one day, and then this factor another day. Eight, oh, I think. It can get quite complicated, especially if you're not getting told to do specific things on specific days. Linear, for me, is probably going to be the easiest one for someone that isn't doing a lot of research or doing a lot of specific changes to programming over time. Well, I'm very, I think, um, regardless whether the, let's say, the person doing it is heavily researched into it, obviously that's the role of the coach to teach the athlete how to do it. But it's, um, there's definitely a lot less things that can go on that could potentially have an impact onto it. Um, but moving into undulating, which is something that... You, remember when people used to say, like, obviously, you need to trick the body to make growth and stuff like that. First of all, let's let's stand that clear. That isn't true in a slightest. You don't need to trick the body to do anything, but you do need to give it more than what it needs, what it currently can do in order to grow. The whole point of with undulating is um, that you're able to work on a, a multitude of things at once. Something that we, obviously we didn't mention with the linear and stuff like that is that um, it can can be really good at focusing on one thing and then gradually building on that. Obviously, when undulating, you can mess around with a few things and that's really good for team-based sports because obviously team-based sports are very chronic. Like you've got, you need to be strong, you need to be quick, you need to be able to do things explosively. Um, So an undulating model can be a really good factor and stuff like that, especially if you've got competitions on certain periods, whether that's, one competition per year or multiple competitions per year. Like that kind of way can dictate to the schedule of the actual sport. Or if you're someone who's not in sports contacts, 
Um, it can just allow you to make sure that you're could be have a main focus of strength that could be an overall focus, but then you're not letting the other things slip, whether that's a little bit of hypertrophy, a little bit of rate divorce, rate of divorce development. It just allows you to have a bit more of everything involved. But obviously then the, the con of that as well is that you're not primarily focused on just one modality. So you're not maximizing that potential of building on that case. But then again, if, you, if you're doing that kind of undulating model and all that, you take that into consideration. Anything you want to add to Mac? Well. Okay, brilliant. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, if ain't wrote no picture. Fair enough, then. We straight on. <laughs> would you say there's any, apart from anything that I've mentioned on Mac, is there, would you say there's any other pros and cons? and stuff like that, that just on the two um, periodization models that we've talked about at the moment, like, have you used more linear or have you used more undulated? 99% of my previous time has been linear. Yeah, like was. Now it's now slightly changing towards block, which okay. we're about to come into. I'm kind of just sort of throwing it out a little bit there. For me, the issue with undulating is I think a lot of people, if they're not, I'm not going to say pri not prioritising it because obviously it's a bit different when you've got someone that's paid to do it. Like I'm, I'm in any other realm, I'm as useful as a chocolate fire guard. So then I know that like if I need help with something, I'm going to go elsewhere. Yeah. With something like this and undulating. Try to practice yeah. what we preach, don't we? There's, I think there's t that much to think about with undulating, and I think a lot of people get over, like, so caught up in it, and they overthink it a lot. Yeah, and, like, it, it, you can get caught up a little bit, and then terms of like, don't try and rewrite the wheel. Look at it in terms of right, what are the basics that we need to be doing here on a weekly basis. And set it from there. Don't be like, right, oh, well. Because then you could, like, I think we mentioned a little bit last time about um, VBT. And it's like, you don't need to be looking at that kind of stuff. Like, what's the general emphasis of what you need to be doing to get more powerful? Okay, let's stick with that. Let's not try and get really confused and then focus. And then, like, we've put that much mental effort into it. We're freaking toast already. If it's not something that someone else is designing for you in time, right, go do this. I probably wouldn't lean towards undulating. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. And one of the cons that I found with undulating is that if you've got someone that properly needs to work on one modality, and I say modality is an aspect, and they find that by the end of one session, they're just getting themselves warmed up into it. And then the next day they're doing something else completely. It just breaks on rhythm. And then obviously you're giving the body a completely different stimulus. And if they've not fully recovered from it, then obviously, yeah, then obviously the program needs to change and all that. But then it's different things that the body has to think about. And that could play a part with recovery that could play on the progress and all that kind of thing. So 
No, I, I 100% agree with you in that factor. Um, I just think if it's something where you're doing a sport where there's loads of things going on within that sport, um, it's a good thing to do primarily within my, let's say, in-season. Because in, in season, really, <laughs> I was like waiting for you to have a pause, and I was like, the only the only time I'd put this as a priority would be in season when you need to just keep on top, because you're never going to try and progressively build on something within a season because it's just going to be too. Yeah, well, you're going to try to get small increments. You're going to try to get yeah. some small increases, but you're never going to go like you're not really going to focus a lot of time on increasing one rep max and stuff. There might be times and periods when there's games not available, but remember games, training, your performance on the pitch, court, whatever you want to call it, is a priority. So you need to make sure that's sub- the training and supplementing that. Which now leads me on to block um, periodization. And this, this will lead in quite well now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, 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 we're flowing. This is unreal. Usually we go on some kind of tangent. I know. But yeah, the, the whole thing about block periodization is that you can focus on one thing really, really well and then move on to something else that could be a, a subwatt uh, progression onto that as well. Block, I might be wrong with this, but block periodization is probably more used for, um, let's say, bodybuilders or anyone who's... I would say pretty much anyone who's, or even strength factors like strongman and stuff like that, they, they might be particular blocks towards a competition or something like that, because um, they're they're very limited on what they're focusing on. Either they're focusing on two or three main lifts, or they're focusing on again focusing on muscle groups and stuff like that. Again, like that area there is not something that I primarily focus on, so. If I'm wrong on that, then I put my hands on. No, it, it depends on. I think a lot of people trying to get caught up in doing other things because they just get a bit tedious with the training. I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to like muscle building and that kind of phase, like people aren't prepared to give it the time. And like you might, we say block periodization, like it might be like one week on one thing, one thing on another thing. You might be looking at a forty-week block of the same kind of principle plan. Like, that's still a block, but then at certain points you're going to taper off, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that, obviously, that kind of block would be more of a, a macro cycle where, obviously, the whole premise of that is that one goal. But then, obviously, you break it down into further blocks and that would mean that could change the modality and stuff like that. Obviously, if it's a weekly thing and stuff like that, then you're looking to more, again undulating block periodization is more yeah. going to be kind of you might do six of eight weeks at a certain sets and reps type of thing certain kind of thing and then the next week or not next week sorry the next kind of thing might change into a different one and different kind of ranges and stuff like that again um it's yeah. a premonition on what you're after though yeah they're, they're, they're all very they've all got similar aspects to it it's just done ever so slightly different. And yeah. it, it, when it comes to whether it's a right or wrong system, obviously the ultimate thing is really just being consistent and doing it. Like if you're consistent and do it and it works for you, bob on. Yeah. If it's not, right. then you can change it about. But that's that's the whole beauty of programming and being creative with it. It's like you, there's not 
this all one direct approach and that's that like there are multiple ways of creating a program there's multiple ways of getting progress and that's what makes training so fun i think so many people get so delved into the whole periodization type of things where everything needs to be done by a schedule that the ultimate thing of it is just enjoying it and doing it and if you're not enjoying that's doing it more likely you're not going to do it that's when the deload conversation from last week came in in terms of people are so systemized that they might be deloading at a point where training's running super smooth and you you might if you're going for like strength work and everything else the way it's running your your whole potential might be going for a personal best but if you run it that systemized and you're running that smoothly and they're like oh, I don't know it's been seven and a half weeks I'm going to do a deload and it's like no you, if you go that systemized you then could be leaving stuff on the table because you might be at the next potential just creating that a little bit more to get your training to where it needs to be and I think a lot of people look at deloads wrong but then I think it is just a bit of lazy coaching when you just say right we're having a deload every eight weeks mm, it depends really it depends on how you look at it. I, I do see I do see what you mean and in my personal opinion, I don't think they they should be as scheduled as that. But some some people like to get before the curb, if that makes sense. Like people like to do the deload before the actual the, the actual rest actually is needed. They want to stay one step ahead, and there's nothing wrong with that. But like you said, that they could lead potential time that they can do it. Remember, everyone's different, so some people may be able to tolerance. Um, a lot more, particularly more experienced um, sorry, people training and stuff like that because they're training at such a high cost, they might need to do more. But that's not always the case. Like It's not always set in stone. So again, just to, to bring it all back home and stuff like that, my, my whole belief in delos and stuff like that is when we feel it's right to do it and if i'm getting someone comes coming to me on a regular basis saying look i'm tired i've got this going on at home i've got this coming on like there's a lot of things then that's fine we bring it down and we go to a point where we go right okay today let's just get you moving let's get you to a point where you feel good and leave it like that i don't in my deload depression i don't really change the intensity because i don't want um that frequency to change but I'll drop volume massively and I'll go off a, a readiness point. I'll go, right, once you start feeling any kind of tightness or drop of speed or technique drops, boom, leave. And just make them feel good. And if they're at that state, then naturally you'll you'll see a general increase in volume anyway. And before you know it, they'll be back to where they are or even greater because sometimes you need that little time to rest in order for an adaption to obviously on the rise. This could sound quite interesting to you because obviously this isn't going to be strength-based or performance-based. However, deload as a motivational tool. Ooh. Um, in what context? Like, give me, give me so, an example. Yeah. So, obviously, unless someone physically needs a deload, I'm going to give them a deload. If someone's getting in really good shape for their holiday, 
and we have a little breather with training at that point. They might not necessarily, obviously, if they need a deload, they need a deload. They don't need a deload and they need that little bit of inspiration. Be like, right, we're going to drop off training and give you a bit more time to relax when you're on holiday. Do you remember why we're doing this? Oh, because we're going on holiday. Mm. Oh. Okay, I, so I, see, I see what you little tool. mean. Um, it's always interesting to, you're setting a deload to the parameters of what the person can physically do. They're going on holiday. The last thing I want to force them to do is train. Also, they might have the greatest capacity to train. I've been on holiday in the past and they said, yeah, we've got a full gym and they've got dumbbells that run up to six kilos and a treadmill that skips. <laughs> so it's like, what am I going to set an individual to do with that condition? Not a lot. So I'll work it to the parameters of what they can physically achieve, but then also just around their general lifestyle. Yeah. I think um, I think a, a way of deloads um, that we've not really mentioned before is use it as more of a, a tapering factor. Obviously, you, you're not going to be obviously when it comes to competitions or games and stuff like that, you, you want them to be at peak. You don't want to, so you wouldn't do like a big session before a day of a match or a day of a competition and stuff like that. But uh, periodizing like a tapering period of maybe like a week or two or something like that or even maybe a little bit longer like something that brings specific uh, specific the specific of the actual event a bit more into the actual training that's that's a probably a, another good way of using deloads um but yeah i, I think again it, it's like all of us really i, I think it, it all depends on the person who's training and if they don't feel like they need that many deloads, that's fine. If the results say otherwise, then you come to have a look and you change your round. Maybe just need to give them a few days off and stuff like that. Like there's just time, like for example, in my own training stuff like that, there's just times where I have a training session planned. I'm physically not capable of doing it. So it just either I get myself on a little bike, or do something a little bit simple, or I, I barely chill. I just don't do anything. And if I feel great the next day, bob on. If I don't, then I'll give us a little bit more time. It's um it's allowing that readiness of factor and the athletes or the clients' opinions to dictate the program. And you'll get more of a buy-in that kind of way if you do it like that. So um yeah, I think that's a, a good way to end it. But to um to conclude everything that we spoke about, Mike, um I think from my end, I think if you're if you're a beginner and you're getting yourself into periodization, linear is the way forward. That's a great way to start off with because less to think about. It's an easy method to use, and there's not really that much long wrong you can go with it. Into the point where you start going into that intermediate, advanced type of stage where you are going to probably need either one of the two, and I think which one you either use either undulated or block periodization uh, depends on the competition, sport, your preference. And I think that's that really like, I don't think there's anything more really to say about it. No, they were good. Yeah, bro. Brilliant. Yeah. Wow. This has been quite easy to talk about. We've, we've done this quite straight. I'm quite chuffed with myself. I don't, I don't know what to say. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Right, guys. Well, <laughs> if you guys have enjoyed this kind of two-parter of an episode about programming imperialization, uh, make sure you give us a like. Make sure you share this with everyone and you subscribe. It helps us out more than anything. Um, if there's any other topics you guys want us to, to cover or if there's any questions about the topic we've talked about today, Bob on, give us a message and stuff like that. But yeah, um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll see you guys in the next one. I have no idea what Mike is laughing about, but we'll see you guys. I'm so shocked. I'm shocked. I'm baffled. I'm like, we've done this so well. We've not gone any rants. We've not gone any tangents. I'm probably going on a tangent right now. I'm ruining it. So I'm just going to end the episode here. But right, guys, I'll see you all later and we'll see you all in the next episode. Ta-ta. Peace out. Peace. Oh.